What is up, fellow passengers? Great to talk to you all again. It's time for us to bend and snap into a movie that we're going to have a lot of fun talking about, I suspect, because we're going to be talking about Legally Blonde today. Who better to discuss a movie aimed at females than two dudes? Uh, I am Scotty Williams, and I'm right here with my co-host, Trevor Kirkendall. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good, sir, and I can't wait to talk about uh, something I know nothing about, and that is women. This would present kind of a logistical challenge for us. I agree with that. That's right. Uh, but uh, Legally Blonde, though, a heck of a movie, I thought. Um, but I guess let's get right to the tape on it, Trevor. What do we know about this movie? All right. Well, Legally Blonde opened in theaters 20 years ago, July 13th of 2001. It was directed by Robert Luketic and stars Reese Witherspoon, Luke Wilson, Selma Blair, Matthew Davis, Victor Garber, Ali Larder, and Jennifer Coolidge. And in case you forgot, and here's your one and only spoiler warning, but let's be honest, you've had 20 years to see it. This movie is about Elle Woods, a fashionable sorority queen, and she's dumped by her boyfriend. And to get back at him, she decides to follow him to law school. But while she's there, she figures out that there is a lot more to her than just her looks. <laughs> Indeed there is. So looking at the... the finances on this film budget of just 18 million dollars to make this movie so good goodness almighty this movie with a budget of 18 million dollars uh hits that wonderful situation of making its budget back on opening weekend with a 20 million dollar take and then a worldwide gross of 140 million dollars against an 18 million dollar budget or as they would say in hollywood the sound of a slot machine hitting and winning the jackpot oh yeah I miss these types of movies, these $18 million low-budget movies, because this would, if this movie was made today, it would be a Netflix movie. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it just would not have had <laughs> that kind of... I'm not saying there's anything bad about Netflix. I see a lot of movies on that, but movie theaters, primo way to see it. Yes. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives this movie a 70. The audience, in a rare moment of almost full agreement, gives it a 72. And the Rotten Tomatoes summary says, though the material is predictable and formulaic, Reese Witherspoon's funny, nuanced performance makes this movie better than it would have been otherwise. So, Trevor, 20 years ago when this film came out, where were you? Um, This is one that I didn't see in the theaters, and I think that kind of is sort of self-explanatory. It doesn't really appeal to me it's not something i would have gone to see right off the bat in the theater mm -hmm. um you know if somebody had been like let's go see it i would have gone but it wasn't something i ran out to see right away um and uh if i remember right this one opened against a movie called the score which really did appeal to me that was robert de niro ed norton and marlon brando in his very last performance ever on screen oh wow that's the one i saw hmm. um and that was really good but uh this one I didn't see until it came out on DVD, and this was kind of a fun time for me because I was still working at the video store, and I was at the video store the very next summer after that, so all these movies that I missed that came out this summer were coming on a video the next summer, so whatever I missed in the theaters I got here. And I think my mom and my sister asked me to bring this one home when we got it at the video store, and I watched it with them and was extremely surprised with how much I liked it. Hmm. You know, I, it's funny that you mentioned that somebody would have had to ask you to go see the movie because the way I got to see this movie in theaters was I was in high school. I was dating a girl and she 
somewhere between strongly suggested and ordered that we were going to go see this film. So uh, we did go see it together in theaters, and it was... I remember liking the movie, but I remember me and this and this lady who, if she's listening, I'll be as nice as possible, um, managed to get into quite the argument afterwards uh, because <laughs> something to do with... Again, the movie was called Legally Blonde. I actually think in the trailer, they actually kind of played up the blonde piece of it. Like, they kind of played up, oh, look, this ditz is going to try to go to Harvard. And I think it was played in a way that it wasn't played in the actual movie. But I remember liking it, except uh, this movie is kind of stamped on me because it's one of my quintessential memories with, uh, with one of my high school relationships, unfortunately. Speaking of my past relationships, it's time for us to bring in our special guest for this episode of Rearview Movies. We are bringing in an expert on the subject of women's movies, uh, none other than my wife, Mrs. Williams, the woman who is perfect in every way except for her horrible taste in men. So, uh, Heather, welcome, and when did you see Legally Blonde for the first time? Hey, uh, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. And I don't actually remember the first time I ever saw this film. Um, I do believe I saw it uh, at some point in high school, and I'm pretty sure I sat down and watched it with my mom. Um, I have a feeling we watched it together. Uh, what did you think of it when you saw it the first time? Um, I just thought it was adorable. Like I just, I loved Elle Wood's character and I just thought this was just a super fun girly movie. Super fun girly movie. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Review Movies, folks. Uh, but no, we're going to get on to talking about the film. So, uh, I guess, uh, it opens with, uh, the song, I believe the song was Perfect Day. Um, another, I think it was either a perfect day or another perfect day is that what it was perfect day yeah yeah uh, opens with the song you know again kind of serendipitous we're in this we're in this sorority house and here's Elle Woods you know kind of the queen of the of Delta Nu as it were and you know Trevor what did you think as you're watching that part man well the first thing I want to say about this movie is that this is probably one of the most iconic performances that Reese Witherspoon has ever given I think when people look back at her career that this will be right up at the top of the things that people remember her for. I would agree with that. She was only 25 when this came out, so she's probably younger when she made it. And really, she's Oscar good in this. Like, I don't know how else to say it other than that, that she is just perfect for this role. And Rotten Tomatoes summary really nailed it by saying that it wouldn't have been as good without her, pretty much. And that's correct, because who else can you see in this role? I, I really can't picture anyone else other than Reese. There's no one. Yeah. yeah. And my, my first thought when I saw the trailer for this and when the movie started was that she was just going to rehash her character from Election, Tracy Flick, which is another one of her more iconic performances, too. Yeah, she was excellent in that film as well. You know, I was like, great, she's just, this is going to be Tracy Flick at college, you know? Well, it's funny that you both mentioned how iconic Reese is in this role because there were actually a pretty long list of actresses that were considered to play Elle. So apparently Charlize Theron, Gwyneth Paltrow... Alicia Silverstone, that would have been interesting, uh, clueless except for real, uh, Catherine Heigl, Christina Applegate, Mila Javovich, and Jennifer Love Hewitt were apparently all considered for Elle Woods, but in kind of a funny story attributed to Reese Witherspoon, apparently when she auditioned for the role, her agent or somebody she knew that knew she was getting ready to audition asked her to dress, I believe the term was sexily, because apparently the book on her at the time was that she was, the word they used in the, in the article I read was shrewish, 
And they actually thought that she wouldn't get the role because she was seen as too, you know, shrewish. Unfortunately, as a guy, I'm going to sit here and say that sometimes a, a guy tends to call a woman a shrew. Number one, if he reads way too much Shakespeare. And number two, if he just doesn't like listening to her. But that's just me. You know, going back to the beginning there, um, there's a couple items that we see right up at the front that sort of dates this movie as being 2001, other than the song that's opening the movie. Right. But uh, I love the um, the frat guys in the front yard playing hacky sack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that is a good way to date your movie. But let's also be honest: when you drove around the campus at school when we were there, how many people did you see playing hacky sack in the front yard? <laughs> None. They I were doing stuff in the front yard, but it did not involve any kind of coordination whatsoever. <laughs> so the first thing <laughs> they they go through this. The whole thing is them deliver. They're delivering something to her, right? Is that what we're following yes. here? Yes. Kind of a delivery. She, yeah. She's getting and, like a good luck card, I think. Yeah, because she's going out on a date with her boyfriend tonight, and she thinks that she's going to get proposed to. Mm-hmm. And as they're walking through the sorority house, now I've only been in one sorority house. <laughs> one, one more than me. <laughs> it was at a party. There was a big party there, and everybody was there, and all that. And I've only been in one sorority house one time, and it looked nothing like this. <laughs> First oh, off, this one was much cleaner, and it was much bigger. <laughs> yes, um, I have been in a couple, and I've never seen one that looked like that either. Well, folks, yeah. it's in California. Let's remember, California is a land of milk and honey. Lots of bigger oh, and better true. things. Yeah, and she grew up from she grew up across the street from Aaron Spelling too. That's right, so big deal. Obviously, she has the money to get into a, a college that has that. But anyway, so she's got her card. She's getting wish good luck. She's going out. Everybody knows she's getting proposed to tonight mm-hmm. because they're what they're about to graduate college. Is that right? Yes. And her boyfriend Warner is about to go to Harvard Law School, and she's going to go with him, and they're going to live happily ever after. He'll be the big shot lawyer, or the big shot senator, or something. And mm-hmm. yep. Well, so, what's what's funny about that to me was Warner, you know, looked about as cool as he was going to look in the movie. In the very first scene, when he walks in to say hey to Elle, he's got yeah. that kind of low, like Harrison Ford hairdo going and his on. His hair's like, yeah. His hair's all <laughs> slicked back. Yeah. He's he's talking to, hey Pooh Bear, like and he's he's just being, he's being very slick about it. Well, and and, and all the girls in the sorority house are like fawning over him, right? Like mm-hmm. they know he's there to see Elle, but they're all you can just kind of see the looks on their faces, and they're just like, oh, he's just so cool. He's just so cool. Well, his name is Warner for God's sake. Yes, I mean, it's a, how yeah, how stuck up of a name can you be for a guy named Warner? Who, by the way, then goes to dinner with Elle and delivers what is just the worst breakup line in the history of movie breakup lines. Correct? Yeah. I mean, so easy easily mistaken for I'm going to marry you or even let's move in together. But it's, it's, I need to, I need to quit. I think he said I need to quit messing around or something like that. He needs to marry a Jackie, not a Marilyn. Yeah. Which, which clearly forgets that Marilyn Monroe was actually a decently intelligent woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I noticed that when I pointed that out, I turned to Heather cause again, we watched this together in the rear view and I looked at her, I said, what is his actual reason for breaking up with her? Because he doesn't really give one. I need someone serious. I need someone yeah. serious is what he later says. And then he actually, as part of his explanation says, East coast people are different. Oh, right. Right. Because he was afraid that his family would not like Elle. Because his family is that stuck-up Kennedy style, and she's too much... Well, exactly. He needs a Jackie, not a Marilyn. <laughs> he needs he needs Boston, not L.A. Right. right. Um, I mean, which is a crappy here. reason to break up with somebody, let's be honest. But she breaks up with him right there in the restaurant, and right off the bat, Reese Witherspoon earns an Oscar 
right there in that scene. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's perfect in that in that breakup. She causes a scene in there. It doesn't seem fake at all. Like, you know, you get some of these breakup scenes and it's all public. And these people in these movies are just so scripted with their, how dare you? But she's flawless. I yeah. mean, and that, that can go for any scene in this movie when you talk about her is flawless. I can I can get on board with that. Um, although, again, I just going back to Warren, what an idiot he is. He really, number one, if you're going to break up with the girl, you do it over dessert or the check. You don't do it before they bring the appetizer out. Yes. Right. And this was right after champagne got brought to the table. Gotta love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honey, I feel like celebrating. You should leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I know. So, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So, you know, he makes the call. Um, and then one of the things I was thinking about as I was watching this movie was, especially in later viewings, is did they pull a bait and switch on us by pretending that that L was an idiot at some point in the movie, right? Absolutely not. No, absolutely they don't because there's that scene where the lady with the dress attempts to convince her to buy a clearance dress for a high price and mm-hmm. she just rattles off a bunch of, uh, a bunch of uh, fashion jargon. Right. Well... Okay. <laughs> right. This, so this she, is why we brought a woman so she can explain this better. Right. So she's talking about the actual fabric that the dress is made out of. And then she's like, no, I saw it in the June Vogue last year. Like, come on now. You are not, you're not going to pull this over on me. But I'm then not a dumb when, blonde. Right. But then when Warner's trying to get her into the car, you know, cause he's riding and she's walking around. She got the, she got the classic running mascara and Warner's trying to get her in the car. And finally he says, you're going to ruin your shoes. And she like stops and stares at him and's like, you're right. And gets in the car and rides home. Oh, okay. But what I would say there is that those shoes probably cost somewhere around 300 bucks. If I just had to throw out a guess, she lives in LA. Her parents are loaded. Like obviously nothing she has is cheap. I'm going to guess there were $300 pair of pumps. So so the price of her pride is $300. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's being very, that's being very harsh to L. But yeah, then she winds up, uh, you know, making her way to it in her sadness and depression. She's later watching days of our lives in general hospital, uh, to make herself feel better. Again, dated reference there up until this point. I think that this character could have gone one of could have gone either way. And it could have trended really to like the annoying part because of how she's sort of playing the role. She's got that really chipper really way about her. And I could just easily see myself going two hours of this. The way she does play that scene on her way back out of the restaurant as she's walking down the road just completely seals the the the, the three-dimensional nature of how she's put this role together because she instantly becomes likable in that one scene. If she if you didn't already like her, if you started to feel that she may have been on the verge of annoying your whole opinion of her changes right there. No, I think you're right and does a really good job putting that together. She does a really good job putting that role together. Um, But then we get to the point. So how do we get from Warner's breaking up with me to I have to go to Harvard Law and get him back? Well, just like that. I mean, that's there's a few little there's a few little parts in the screenplay here that are kind of derivative. And this is one of them where she sort of gets this idea in her mind that in order to get him back, she needs to be smart. In order to be smart, she has to go to law school, but not just any law school, Harvard Law School. Right. Well, but that idea didn't just pop into her head. I mean, he, you know, was sitting there at dinner during the breakup saying, oh, well, you know, my brother is in, in law school and he just got engaged to a Vanderbilt, right? And then you you see her at the uh, the salon with her girlfriends because they're trying to cheer her up. 
and she opens the magazine, right? And, oh, my God, this is Warner's brother. And then there's the engagement oh, yeah. photo with his uh, new fiance. Mm-hmm. And That's then right. as she reads the description, you know, it says first year Yale Law. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's what I need to do. That's who it needs to see me as is he needs to see this. Right. Like, to make sure smart I'm smart law student. Yeah. So she does her um, she does her admissions essay in a bikini, which <laughs> is hilarious. And then the the looks on all the men's faces after she's done, they're just like, well, she likes the band, whatever. So she's into music. That makes her diverse. She was in a Ricky Martin video. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, she's Data in a Ricky Martin. Alert. Clearly, she's into music. Um, she even says the video was directed by a Coppola, which I thought was kind of funny. I wonder which one she chose. Did she was she friends with Sophia or did she know Roman? I don't know. That would have to be Sophia, I would think. I would guess. You know, she's Sophia coming off of the Virgin Suicides. Pre-Lost in Translation, she's looking for her next big hit, so why not direct law, uh, L. Woods' Law School admission video? <laughs> <laughs> needing, needing that next big break for her career. Uh, yeah. So yeah, well, what's funny is, let's ask this question. Do we think it's realistic that a fashion merchandising major could get in with an admissions video like that, and again, the, the background that she had, which might be why... They were okay with giving her a score one short of perfect on her LSAT. Right. Her they said that she had to get a 175 on her LSAT and she gets a 179. They never once mentioned that the perfect score on the LSAT is a 180. Yeah, yeah. So she which, aces that test pretty much. Right. I wonder why they didn't do that. Maybe that's one where again where we're getting back to the realism. Could we really think that a fashion merchandising major could ace an LSAT? Well, the other you don't know, want to talk about realism too is when when does this take place? When is she doing this? Is she doing this at the end of the school year? I mean, wouldn't Harvard Law have already accepted their class for the fall by the end of the spring semester? You're probably right. I mean, so well, that's... They, they do late admissions. Most colleges do late admissions when they need more money. I mean, they're trying to bring in more people. <laughs> but this is Harvard Law. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's so prestigious, and it seems like that their applicant list would be a mile long. Oh, sure. And they're yeah. they're only they're only bringing in like twelve people or something, you know. And you would think that that would already have been settled before May. Yeah, you I don't could, know. You could clearly tell in the scene they weren't used to watching admissions videos because the video for the essay was viewed from a TV strapped to a cart, seventh grade school <laughs> style. <Yeah. laughs> You could tell they were like, somebody sent us a video. Wheel in the TV, Murph. <laughs> no, call Yale and have them send one. <laughs> oh, geez. But, well, so I guess then we fast forward to Malibu Barbie making her way down Boston, right? Yep. She comes across country with her top-down BMW. Is that what it is? A BMW? Looks like it. I think so, and yeah. And a U-Haul behind her carrying all of her stuff. How oh, much t- and lots of people to move everything for her. She did not have to touch anything. How yeah, much she did had all these cost people? to get movers all the way across the country from L.A. to Boston? Yeah. Well, she grew up the street. She grew up across the street from Aaron Spelling, she so figured it she out. has That's money. Right. If she lived across <laughs> the street from him in um, Bel Air. In Bel Air, right? Yeah. Do Harvard Law students live in a dorm? That's another question I have. I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought that was pretty weird. Also, uh, you know, you were talking about the sorority house earlier and what that looks like. The dorm she lived in in Harvard, I've never seen a dorm that looked like that. I have actually had an experience at Stanford. I was actually at Stanford for a camp one time and did stay in one of the dorms. Not like from the movie, I'll tell you that. I must have been in one of the smaller dorms. But yeah, no, that's and, and we get the fish out of water vibe really quickly here, don't we? 
Yeah, they're all just like, hey, here's Malibu Barbie pulling up. <laughs> I'm sorry. One of those one of those law nerds would have been like, you know, she's actually pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but then she's she's meeting her friends. They're sitting on the they're sitting in the lawn in a circle and they're all just like yeah, I have a PhD in, uh, in in physics and in this, and uh, my IQ is... And one guy says that his, yeah, brief history of time is based yeah, on... Stephen Hawking ripped paper. off his work. His fourth grade paper, yes. <laughs> yeah, that felt a little, a little, what's the word? A little distorted in terms of the humor, right? I understand what you're trying to show here, but it's a little ridiculous, too. There will be a lot of diversity at a law school, even as stuffy as Harvard is. And I'm sure that not everybody there is already have a PhD or has double masters in things or has these genius level IQs. I'm not saying they don't exist there, but and, and have done some stuff. Yeah, you're you're not gonna get, you know, most people when they go to law school, they're coming in right out of undergrad. We'll talk about um, the former president of the United States as a Harvard Law School graduate, mm-hmm. and he went to Harvard Law School right out of undergrad. Yep. It's not like you have to do all these amazing things before you get in there. And that's how they're trying to portray her as being this person that's really come in here out of nowhere and got in. None of them really seem like they're from money either, you know, and it seems like Harvard would have a lot of old money in there. Yeah, you would think one or two people at some point. But now we come to the first day of class and Elle is walking down the hallway and she spots Warner and Warner's like completely shocked that she's here. Mm hmm. Which I thought was a stretch because wouldn't she have bragged to him or how would he have not caught that? Absolutely not. No. No, No, he wouldn't have or she wouldn't have? No, no, because she wants this to be, she wants to catch him totally off guard, right? Like he dumped her and she is just, she's trying to figure out a way to get him back. But no, she would not have gone to him. I can promise you that as a woman, she would not have gone to him okay. to be like, I'm going to follow you. No, because then she looks like a psychopath, right? That's, so, that's probably fair. Probably so, 100% fair. She is, she is a, yes, 100%. So I actually think she plays this really cool and just is kind of like, oh, well, I totally forgot you go here. Really? Like, <laughs> That was that was like, a little you, much. Let's be honest. He's like, you got into Harvard Law, and she goes, "What? Like it's easy? Like yeah, it's what? Hard? Like it's hard?" <laughs> um, which takes me to something, kind of going back to your t- uh, to how you've talked about uh, Reese Witherspoon's performance to this point. One of the things I've really en- I really enjoyed watching her do in this movie was the couple of times that she got really wide eyed and looked into the camera and delivered some line with like a mountain of conviction, right? Like the part where she finds out she gets the internship, she walks up, looks into where the camera says and goes, me, you know, like she's in. And the part where she, cause at one of the parts, um, when she gets the 179 on the LSAT, right? She looks at the camera, big wide eyed, 179. And just, I don't know. L Reese Witherspoon was fantastic every time she did that. Mm-hmm. Well, then I guess, then I guess jumping back into her, her first time of class with, uh, with Charlie, with Charlie's mom, Holland Taylor from two and a half men, of course, yes. uh, the iconic <laughs> place she remembered is, uh, doing some great deadpan actually in this scene. Um, mm-hmm. to be fair, because again, this scene is where Elle kind of gets her nose rubbed in it. Right. So to be fair in this scene, she's showing up to a graduate level college course with a heart shaped notebook that my daughter probably has in her room. And a fluffy and a little pen. Fuzzy pen. Yeah. yeah. And nothing else. Like Well, and everybody opens up these like boxy laptops, these boxy old <laughs> IBM thing yeah, pads. Everyone has everything. a thing pad, yeah, basically. Yeah. 
Uh, this is where we also meet Vivian Kensington for the first time. Very Vivian interesting Kensington. Way. Vivian Kensington. Yeah. <laughs> law. Have to say with Vivian Kensington. <laughs> well, and this is played God. by Selma Blair, and this is the movie's antagonist, at least for right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Selma Blair is perfect in this role. Really plays this stuck-up stuffy little even the costume design on her is great they like she's yes. always in like a sweater with like <laughs> with know, the, the collared the shirt, shirt underneath yes. yeah <laughs> so I, I believe the totally loving term st- that reese used was frigid yeah that's that's a good point <laughs> that's a good way of putting it um <laughs> but uh yeah then l gets thrown out for not knowing the answer to a question that she should have known from reading all of her textbooks the night before 100 percent believable let's be honest that's true yeah <laughs> uh yeah, but I also, you know, I, I I thought about this, like, if I was in that class, and if I was Vivian and got called on by the professor, like, what would you say in that in that scenario, right? Like, would you support my decision to ask her to leave? And that's like, God, what would you actually say? Yeah. But, but she just stares her down, like, with this absolute confidence, and she's like, absolutely. And absolutely. it's like, oh man. Yeah, it goes for the throat. <laughs> so speaking of, I thought it was really good the way that they brought in the different characters. Again, we meet Vivian Kensington when she goes, you know what, on L, And then we get to meet Emmett. By the way, we don't yeah. find out his name, for, his name for a long time. Uh, just on the side of a bench, right? Outside of Harvard. This is a real great introduction to him. And this is also, I think, the first time that I remember seeing Luke Wilson in a movie. Mm-hmm. And every time that I saw him after this, this was the first movie I thought of going back to. So, um, And he basically plays the same character again in every subsequent movie he's in after this. <laughs> and really does um, does seem to be a lot like his uh, his brother as well. Every yes. time he looks at the camera, it's like this, you know, so. <laughs> but um, Has this kind of so, sub- subdued delivery of lines. Yeah, like, oh, you really... You got thrown out of that class, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you ask questions in Callahan's class. He likes people who are opinionated. From here, we see Selma Blair again when she's with Warner, and they're engaged. (laughs) What? Who didn't see that one coming? Oh, okay. So I got to talk about Warner in this scene. He stands there like he almost has no clue who Vivian is, right? Uh, Vivian walks up behind him, and Elle's like, well, what is she doing here? And he's like, this is my, uh, and he can't get the words out. And she drapes yeah. that giant rock over his arm. I'm his fiance. And it's like, <laughs> how did he not have like the guts to just speak up and say, you know what? I dumped you and she's my fiance. Now you got to move on because he's yeah. big and fake yeah. because <laughs> let's be honest for a second. Just the three of us talking. Elle Woods is an upgrade over Vivian Kensington. Oh, yeah. That's true. And, and yeah. Warner, fake as he is, probably knew that, right? Mm-hmm. But she's not completely unfortunate looking. That's true. Not completely unfortunate looking. A really nice compliment, I guess, in the end. Um, but no, yeah, going back to that, that's just a good delivery. He's got the massive ring on her finger and is like, yeah, no, I'm his fiance. But again... And, and then, Warner just stands there, like completely dumbfounded by but this. But did she like, know? Did she know that's who Elle Woods was? Absolutely like, not. She sort of, she sort of rubs it in, like, "Yeah, I'm his fiance, not you." Well, but the the way that it's written, she has no clue, right? But mm-hmm. but further into the conversation, she's like, "Oh, right, Warner told me all about you. You're famous at our club." 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're famous at our club. Yeah. Well, so now Elle is stressed out. So what's the one thing that everyone does when they're stressed out? Manny Petty. Manny Petty. Exactly. So she runs and finds the first uh, manicurist she can find. And she runs in there with an emergency. And this is where we meet Jennifer Coolidge. Causing a rather bad car accident right behind her that she's totally oblivious to. Oh, by yeah. Way. Nothing, oh, right. Yeah. Nothing. Not so much as a second look. Just off you go. Well, she's she's a woman on a mission. She needs her nails done. I mean, Absolutely. I've never had my nails done, but I got to imagine it must be really powerful if it's going to make you forget the fact that you just caused an accident. So, But she didn't even know. She totally missed yeah. that entirely. Because of the power of the nail job. <laughs> But we meet um, we meet Jennifer Coolidge here for the first time in this movie, and once again, somebody that just nails this role. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I remember about this movie was how good she was mm-hmm. in this, and thinking that she too was Oscar caliber as well. But on the rewatch, I realized that her part was substantially smaller than I remembered it being. Yeah. So I was that was where I may have been a little bit disappointed this time around was that she wasn't quite as present. As I thought she was when I remember thinking about it. No, not as not as prominent. I actually think that she kind of existed in the role there for a while to kind of help convince Elle. You know, I kind of do want to be a lawyer, right? Because mm-hmm. the scene yeah. where, good God, Dewey Newcom, <laughs> uh, her her husband, they go in there to kind of legalize him into giving up the dog. Dewey Newcom. I mean, come on. <laughs> he yeah. he basically, gosh, that trailer was like the equivalent of a tin can. And it was yeah. in just, and it was, again, I know we're fast forwarding a good bit to where Elle, you know, takes Paulette to go get the dog. For the record, they drive through just the worst part of just the worst town you've ever seen in your life. They drive past a flaming trash can, an abandoned, like, GMC car, and into this trailer that is the size of our kitchen, pretty much. And then when they leave, they drive by another item that just happens to be on fire. Like, what part of Sarajevo does Dewey Nukem live in? <laughs> he must be in the Southie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that must be what it is. Um, but no, going back to that original statement, not a huge part in this role for, for Jennifer Coolidge, but I do think she does a good job with it. But, and she does have some, every scene she's in, she's very commanding in it though. Like, yes. yes. Even in this, even in this scene, she doesn't really say a whole lot cause Reese is just spouting her lines or whatever, but just her presence there. I mean, even when, even when the UPS guy walks in, cause she's got a huge crush on the UPS guy. And just kind of the the look on her face when she when when he walks in, she doesn't know if she should just she doesn't know how to smile, she doesn't know how to look at him, so she ends up just kind of like scowling at him. She's like, "Ee," you know. <laughs> it's and so awkward. <laughs> it's very awkward, but it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, yes. so I've, we're we're using that word quite a bit on this movie, but it's it's the truth. So well, and and I I couldn't help but notice the way that they tried to communicate with her wardrobe that she was not to put it. Not to put it condescendingly, but low class. Mm, yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess middle and class is probably the more the the better way to put it. Um, but okay, Heather, tell me more. My wife is making faces at me. Tell me more. <laughs> no, um, no. I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that she is. You know, what she even says it herself. You know, she's a, a high school dropout, and um, you know, Dewey Newcomb is not really a high class of of guy. So we meet him later and and find out, you know, what kind of guy she was into. Um, obviously, the UPS guy is going to be a big upgrade. <laughs> Literally. And I guess to be even more to be even more specific and, and explicit with it, so 
it's one of those things where when I was in school studying to be in education, they brought us in for a series of seminars with some authors. And one seminar was a person literally talking about the role of class in education and teaching students. Um, as a kid who came from a poor background, it actually kind of bothered me. But the woman who presented came in dressed in just the gaudiest outfit you've ever seen in your life. And she looked pretty much like Jennifer Coolidge's character did. <laughs> big, gaudy jewelry, big kind of froofy hairdo, and you know some denim stuff on, and with a big old purse. And she basically was like, this is what a poor person looks like. And it, yeah, yeah, I was... I remember being quite disturbed uh, during that presentation, but unfortunately it did give me the lens for that. So that now when you look at it, it's like, yeah, Jennifer Coolidge has these big gaudy rings on. None of them are especially expensive. Right. Yeah. And she's got the, you know, the, the top and the, the denim all over the place. And again, the fruity hairdo and overdoing it with the makeup, which is something else that they said that she would do. Uh, so again, just again, to go out and communicate that this is not, she's not occupying the highest rungs of society, but still a pivotal role for what she does for L. Right. Right. You know, they're from two different backgrounds. They're from two different, uh, you know, if you want to talk about like wealth classes or whatever, but she is very pivotal in this. At the end of the scene, she basically tells it, you know, she she digs in and reinforces the fact that uh, Elle needs to go win Warner back. Yeah. Which everyone in the audience is going, no, you know, you don't need this guy. Forget him. But she's just like, go get him. And that's what Elle needs to hear at this point, because that sets up this next sequence of events that's coming where... Vivian invites her to a party, right? But this yeah. before, before the study group fiasco, too. Don't forget, the study group fiasco was before that. Oh, which... I thought I it was after that. It may have been. Pretty sure it was after that. Oh, is this where she tries to get in on the study group, and they're just like, now we're full? Yeah, that, was, that was later, though. Is um, it later? That was later. Uh, she goes to the party first, um, and... Yeah, so she, she goes to the party first, for sure. All right, so she gets invited to the party, and... It's a costume party. You it's probably a costume wouldn't party. Come. Why does why does this why does this woman have such a grudge against L? Like she doesn't like her right off the bat, and then she finds out that she used to date Warner. Right now she likes her even less. And right. Well, because she's different. Right. Because mm-hmm. she because L is just gorgeous, right? And so she's probably feeling pretty insecure. I mean, it doesn't take much for a woman to feel that insecurity just by looking at someone else. Mm-hmm. But and, wouldn't you just wouldn't you just look at like Warner and say, "Okay, well, here's this handsome dude and I got the ring, you don't. I won, you lost. I'm better than you." It's well, it's not going to make the conflict disappear though. It it's not, and it could go back to some deep-seated insecurities, you know, from her her childhood or her relationship with her her dad or, you know, whatever else you want to throw out there, but um but as a as a woman, you know, she's looking at L going she must not be that confident in her relationship with Warner. So, but yeah, that, that costume party scene is actually pretty pivotal, right? Yeah. That brings us to that sort of, that's kind of the, the turning point for her character. Cause she walks in first off. I think I would have, if somebody that didn't like me all of a sudden invited me to a costume party, I think I would have chosen something a lot less scandalous to show up in <laughs> something that I easily could have changed out of, but, but I mean, I, she goes all out. Yes, and I think that goes back to Elle's uh, character, right? And mm-hmm. I, I think she's just so trusting and just such a sweet person that she just 
took Vivian at her word, right? Well, and so yeah. self-confident as well, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, and then when she realized it's not a costume party, she just, like, walks right up to Vivian and goes, hey, you know, I'm here. Thanks for the yeah. invite. Yeah. She she rolls with it, which I thought was fabulous. I'm, I'm not threatened by you is essentially what yeah. she communicated in that scene. And what does Warner say? Doesn't he see her and say, you look like a walking felony? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, great line. Uh, Probably yeah. his best line in the entire film. Yeah. No, his best line in the entire film is, uh, black. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, but that, that does take us to what was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, you're really big, Trevor. You talked before about how actors do a great job letting emotion wash across their face and process. Mm-hmm. The moment when Elle processes what Warner is yeah. saying to her about the internship, right? Right, yeah. He's just like, you're not good enough for it. Like, yeah, this is he, for serious people. He, he, flat out, he flat out said, you're, you're not smart you're enough. You're not smart that. enough, sweetie. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because he couldn't have been that honest with her at the dinner table when they broke up, right? But right. he can be that honest now in the middle of a, in the middle of a party in, in, in Harvard. Maybe he's had a couple of drinks. Who knows? This party and, and Warner's um, conversation with her sort of sets her off on uh, really wanting to buckle down and, and strap into things. So we see her, uh, what she's buying, uh, an old school MacBook yeah, sir, that is an Apple iBook. <laughs> an Apple iBook, excuse um, me. Which, for the record, is a perfect marriage of character and and product. Which is why I wondered why she didn't have one in the first place. Like, she yeah. totally would have had one, I think, yeah. already. Even back at even back at in LA, she would have had one. So, I, and she then she's didn't in take class. Seriously, I guess. Yeah. So she's sitting there in class with you know she's got her colorful Macintosh in a sea of these IBM ThinkPads, and that's. Kind of another one of your East Coast, West Coast sort of things, especially in 2001 when Apple was still kind of the kind of the butt of the joke still. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting uh, throughout the entire film and the MacBook is or I'm sorry, the iBook. iBook yes. yes. Uh, I think it's just one good example of that is how the uh, directors used color throughout the film um, to just illustrate how different yeah. L is and just to make her really stand out. Um, Everybody's muted in this yes, movie except yes. her. Uh huh. <laughs> and I and I just and um, you know I I could be wrong about this, but from what I noticed, I don't believe there's another blonde in the film except in scenes where she's at the salon. Or um, Allie Lauder's character later on. Yes. Is yes. Blonde. Other. But she, yes. Yeah. Uh, aside from her, but like in her classes and around campus and at the party, like. I don't think there's another one. One of the ladies until we that Brooke Wendell. one of the ladies that what was his name? Dorky Nerdy David Hall was trying to yeah, talk dorky. to. Yeah, Dorky. Yeah, I think one of the ladies he was trying to talk to was a blonde. No, they were both brunettes. I think one of them was a redhead, maybe. Maybe they weren't maybe. blonde. Maybe they, okay, so they weren't blonde. Fair point. <laughs> they were not blonde. But from here on out, Elle is serious. Yeah, Elle is serious. She applies to Victor Garber's um, internship. Then uh, she gets in, I guess. She gets into the internship. Mm. And um, this what it's it's four people that get in, right? It's yep. her and three other people. Mm-hmm. And when they post the list on the wall, Vivian's like, yay, we got in, Warner. We're in. Awesome. And then Elle sees it. and But they're so surprised that she's in there. But there's four names on that right, list. Right, like how do you miss that? How do you miss that? Did she just stop reading in her name? I mean. Totally possible. 
probably yeah that is warner <laughs> probably did he was which one's the w there it is. that must be my name does that say warner well another, like how did he get how did he get into that inter- internship if it's so competitive are you saying that they're the top three students in the class well because remember I mean, by this point he's well, starting to middle off as a student right um i guess i mean he like does he, have done in there a scene where he kind of has a um he kind of gives his opinion on a case, and then she changes the opinion. Yeah, they were talking about the they were, no, they were talking about the sperm donor scene, and uh, they were oh, talking that, about yeah. the case involving the sperm donor. And he does do a pretty good job, kind of adjudicating the case uh, until L kind of puts it in the in the salad spinner and goes nuts with it, and again earns that higher praise from Callahan. So yeah, we've got like you said, out of this incredibly competitive internship, we have L, we have Vivian. We have Warner, and we, <laughs> and again we have Enid, who again is just there. But David doesn't get one, right? David so, doesn't get one. No. So could we maybe say that David, again, who has proven to be a very intelligent student the whole time, maybe David, maybe L got David's spot, or did maybe Enid got David's spot? I think L got David's spot, and I think the reason I say that is just because we find out later how attracted Garber is to her, Calhoun. If that's Calhoun's his Callahan. name, Callahan, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. Um, we find out Callahan's kind of attracted to her. He kind of and comes that's why on to her later. So. Well, I actually, to be perfectly honest, I think Elle kind of exaggerated that. Um, I think she exaggerated because he didn't say that to her. Oh, okay. But go back and listen. And if I'm, if I need to wait to talk about this, Trev, just let me know, but no, go, go back and listen to what Callahan says to her. Right. Um, Elle's, you know, he's like, well, where are you going to be a summer intern? She's like, well, I know it's very competitive. And he goes into this, tirade or rant or whatever you want to call it about what competitiveness is really about and it's about a ferocity and it was the Mm. weirdest most like uncomfortable way to explain that to this young girl right who's sitting in your office Oh, he, he mansplained it. It was mansplaining. It was so obnoxious like I wanted to hit him. Yeah, he. Um, but before I mean, he tried to get, a, but before he tried to get to first base. Yeah, yeah. I want so so. No, I don't. My my point is, I don't think that she overreacted because of the, the way that he says it. It's like laced with this like this intentionality of like I know what I want. I'm attracted to you, and I'm about to make it real clear. Yeah, like because she's like, I don't know. I heard it's competitive, and he's like, well, Crap, you got to apply because I can't let you in if you don't apply. So right. I I don't know. I I actually personally think that she exaggerated that a little bit because remember, as part of that scene, when she leaves that scene, right after Vivian piles it on her, she goes to the she goes to the salon, right, and she goes off about. And she goes nuts, right? Like, I shouldn't have never have been here. I didn't belong here. Um, he only let me in. I'm only here because people thought I was a good looking, you know, whatever, whatever. But I, personally, I think she exaggerated. I think she did earn her spot. Well, I, I think she did too. And I think she proved that in, in the classes. But I think Callahan just made it real clear, like, well, you were smart enough to, to make it look good right right so was callahan gonna make a move on her before she secured the alibi and because again that didn't this happened after she got emmett to break the pool boy yes on the stand mm-hmm. we got very far ahead there yeah we, got, we, ahead, we, yeah. we jumped ahead so. but yeah so so i guess we're jumping back over there to when we get the internship meeting one we're defending yep. brooke Wyndham. well so that that was another thing too and i know they made the point to say that they got a really high caseload. Yeah. So they're going to let us actually help on these cases. These are like law one 
L1 students are going to help on a murder case. I don't care what your caseload is. The law students are getting the lower ones. They're getting the traffic cases. Right. They're getting the speeding tickets. The, They're the not getting the murder trial. <laughs> but sure, they put these four L1 students on a murder case. And for the record, only one of them actually even contributes. Yeah. L. Because, <laughs> yeah, because well, again, Vivian has, winds up getting coffee. I, I was about to say, somebody has to get the coffee. Yeah. And Warner is apparently just there to look good. But that's where Brooke Wyndham is our murder suspect. She's accused of murdering her um, husband, right? Yes. Hayworth. Hey- Hayworth, yeah. Um, <laughs> Gotta love that really name. Great, some really great <laughs> Northeastern names here. Um, yes. But uh, she recognizes Elle because apparently uh, she taught some kind of a aerobics class or something? Or? Yes, at the Los yeah. Angeles Sports Club. That's right. So she's like, oh, yeah, cool. Thank God one of you has a brain, which... <laughs> <laughs> is a good line there so so yeah now we now we got that set up but um then we go back and we see the salon again and we get the scene that is this movie's gift to society because it is still used today what is it the bend and snap <laughs> yep <laughs> bend and snap it's still done today everyone talks about it today still uh you know and it's to the point now where that even when you hear it, it's kind of like, where's that from? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I actually have some interesting notes uh, about how the bend and snap uh, She absolutely does. Quite a few. Um, All right. Okay, so uh, producer Mark Platt, uh, he wanted more B-roll for Paulette's character and, and the salon in general because they had this really huge set for the salon and they just wanted to make use of the space. And so they actually uh, went back and forth about what that should be. And they threw out all these ideas about like robberies and um, like another crime being committed at the salon. And they just decided that that was just going to overload the plot point. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, the co-writer, Kristen Smith, had this idea that Elle should um, show Paula how to woo the UPS guy. Um, and so that was followed by a drunken moment at a bar, uh, where she uh, came up with the inebriated version of the bend and snap. All good ideas come over booze. Oh yeah. 120%. So we get our bend and snap and it's perfect. So next, uh, Elle decides she's going to try to go get the alibi for this, um, for this, uh, the the con- the convicted killer or the accused killer, mm-hmm. and this woman doesn't want to say what she's was doing in place of killing this guy, even though it could save her life. So she's willing to die, pretty much. She's <laughs> willing to go to jail for the rest of her life in order to protect what she was doing instead, right and, over her reputation. Yeah, and it's like, God, what was she doing? What was she wanting to? You know, it's you have no idea what it is, and then she finally. She gets it out to uh, to L that she was getting liposuction. Liposuction, and L is just like, <gasps> yeah, like you know, big, yeah. Again, yeah. again, Reese Witherspoon and her amazing faces, right? And, yeah. and just another one of those really great. There were several times where she had to make that big surprised face, right? Like when the pool right. boy was like, "Don't stomp those last season Prada shoes at me," and she's like, "They're not last season." <gasps> Like, again, just great faces. So she goes back and she's like, oh, yeah, I got the alibi. And I'm like, great. What is it? She goes, oh, I can't tell. Like, why not? She's like, I gave her my word. <laughs> and that that becomes like this big running thing about she gave her she gave her her word and she's not going to say it. And Warner's like, so what? Right. And it's as if this... we needed another reason not to like Warner. Now he's a right. jerk. 
Like, at least, at, you know, they're, they're trying, at this point, they're trying way too hard to make him into this giant douche, and, and yeah, we just... Yeah, they really, honestly, after the internship happens, he doesn't really need to say another word, right? Mm-hmm. But for us to decide that we don't like him, and we would like to see him get his face rubbed in it. I will point out that this is one of the first times that Vivian is privy to what a prick Warner can be, right? Because she's standing right behind him, and in the other things that we've talked about, Vivian was nowhere to be found, where, where Warner shows off you know how stupid he really is and she actually makes quite the face in that scene yeah and and this is sort of i think the beginning of where she starts to warm up to l2 yes because in a scene that happens real quick after this too i guess they they share some time in the dorm room together talking yeah Mm -hmm. and she shows him or that sort of shows them kind of warming up so whatever antagonist she was up until this point she no longer is that now so she's kind of or she's beginning to reverse out of that. I think there's, there's, there's still a, little a little character bit. development there, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, um, yeah. But then it's not too far after that that we see um, Victor Garber trying to come out a little bit to uh, to L as uh, attracted to her, and I think what sets that off is she kind of has this. L gets this sort of notion in her mind that uh, maybe in this trial that the pool boy is not exactly who he says he is. Now, yes, exactly. Uh, good way to say it. Um, yeah. Then she gives it to she kind of she kind of feeds that to Emmett, and Emmett yes. uses kind of a classic uh, kind of a classic tactic to get him to basically out himself in the middle of mm-hmm. the courtroom. Yeah, he's just kind of like, you know, what did you do then? And then, and then. And what's yeah. your boyfriend's name? Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> I was confused by your freezing. I was like, you're freezing. I was confused. Chuck, Chuck is just a friend. Chuck is just a friend. And Chuck is there. But anyway, jumping. so jumping back into it, uh, we get that. And like you said, Callahan then makes his power play, right? Yeah, Callahan makes the move. And Vivian hears the very end of it. And then she, like, stops her at the elevator like, oh, I should have known. And a simple conversation would have fixed this, but mm-hmm. we have to have our dramatic bridge mm-hmm. into Act 3 here. And the only way to do that is to put our lead character into a bit of a dump before she realizes that uh, she does need to continue on with her journey. Mm-hmm. So she just is like, well, I guess I'm not really lawyer material because I was just seen as a blonde with big boobs and that's it. And here comes and- Evelyn Harper. Yeah, yeah. And then so she... She loads up everything into her BMW, which is kind of funny because it took her a BMW and a U-Haul to get here, but it all fits in the back of the <laughs> everything BMW. Everything else comes right back now. in the BMW. Yeah. Oh, oh no! So, I just always assumed that she had a truck coming later, or had already sent a truck on its way. Oh yeah, well that's possible too because it's been established that she could afford to get someone to uh, haul it across the country. Across the country. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so she's moving back. She stops by one more time to visit. Um, Paulette. To visit uh, Paulette, yeah, and um, yeah, and then she sees the law professor there, who says one thing, and raises her eyebrow, and that's enough to convince Elle that she needs to go and finish this off. So, well, going back to the fact that this is the professor that was the harshest on Elle, kicked mm-hmm. her out of a class, and really forced her on day one, no on less. day one, and forced her to kind of uh, to kind of take herself a little more seriously, independently of Warner, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, makes that line. And you're right, we kind of leave it there after that. 
So then we get to the scene after that, which is Brooke is talking to Emmett and Vivian, which again, Emmett and Vivian have not been together at all. And over the course of a casual conversation, it comes up where Vivian does what Vivian really likes to do, which is drop little jabs in during conversation. And she drops a little jab in about, well, he was she was pretty comfy with Callahan last night. Uh-huh. And Luke Wilson, pretty much, uh, Emmett in pretty much one of the most serious lines he delivers in the movie, just says, you know, you just don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. No, he says, you just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and point and, and, and again, Vivian couldn't put two and two together that L's not at their morning meetings and say, yeah, maybe this was a thing. But so now L gets back and she's here to save the day. And I guess wearing just the most fabulous legalese pink outfit you've ever seen. Oh, I love that outfit. Yeah. <laughs> It's very, uh, it's very flat, and it's you know we're at the climactic scene, so it's got to be the best looking one in the movie, right? And mm, yes, yeah, and um, I guess what is Allie Lauder fires Victor Garber as her counsel? Yep. At this point, and she's like wants to hire L, but L can't do it because she's not licensed, but Emmett is, so he can come in and sit on the bench with her. Mm-hmm. And now she gets her, um, she gets her chance to actually question the witness. At this point. And the witness is Linda Cardellini, I guess. And she's the daughter of um, the guy that was murdered. Yeah, she's named after a chopped up food item. <laughs> Chutney. <laughs> Chutney, that's right. Yeah, something weird. Her again name with our, is Chutney. <laughs> again with our Northeastern names, right? I guess that's cool up there. But uh, uh, Whoever named all these characters deserves either a medal or a punch in the face. I'm not really sure which one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so she's on the stand. Elle gets in there and she gets to question this girl and her friends from L.A. show up with an hour's notice, which is incredible. Oh, yes. I've always <laughs> thought that was ridiculous. Well, that that's the, ridiculous is kind of their role in the movie, right? Like, again, yeah. if we're looking at Legally Blonde and we're talking about Elle not really being the ditzy blonde, you've got to line her up with a couple of ditzy blondes or a couple of, of ditzy mm-hmm. girls. Brunettes. Of ditzy yeah. girls, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, we've talked about how great this movie is, and it is up until this point, the third act, when everything does kind of come apart a little bit. It does, you know, it's been so sharp and really tightly done, but this this, this last act feels very quick, very rushed and Uh, and everything, and it really starts here. Yes, um, I noticed that there were only 11 minutes left in the film after (laughs) L took to the, uh, yeah, yeah, got in the courtroom. So that was just kind of... I just thought it was too fast. Yeah. So um, it turns out, just kind of fast forward ahead, that she realizes that this girl is the killer because she said that she got up, she went and got a perm, she came home, she got in the shower, and then she came downstairs to find her dad dead and um, Allie Lauder standing over her with a knife. And it's like, "Uh uh-oh, well, you got a perm, so... (laughs) You should know better that you should jump in the shower right away. And it's I, I funny that the, that's yeah. what does her in, you know? Right. Well, and again, you talk about Reese Witherspoon and what a great job she did. Her body language as she Completely changes. Right. Like yeah. her body language when she first is getting ready to question, right? She's got the folder out. She's reciting the, she's reciting a term she heard on like day three of law school, yes. men's rea. Yeah. And, you know, then she's kind of questioning her way through it and kind of poking and fumbling like she's in the dark well, with a flashlight. And she keeps saying, she's like, so you got to perm. And so you were in the perm, shower. I got and she just keeps repeating it. And then yeah. it so suddenly you were in clicks the shower? with her. You were <laughs> yeah. in the shower? And then like... I, and the judge oh, even. The judge even like, I she was in the shower. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, but then 
when she figures that part out, when you see that click for her, yes. her yeah, body language changes. Rage. She makes that eyes, her shoulders like, boom, like right back up. She gets a lot more comfortable, oh, especially she when knows. she goes into the story about the wet t-shirt contest. She's like, got it. Game, set, match. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's go. She got it in the bag. Yes, yeah. I agree. So she wins the case. You know, like I said, it's a, it's not a complicated thing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure any L1 student at Harvard would have been able to figure it out. But we're not going for that here. This isn't law and order, like you said. So she wins the case happily ever after. But then Warner's like, you've changed my mind and I want to be with you. And she's just like, nope. What does she say? She like flips her own words back on him. Oh, yeah. Uh, If I'm going to be a partner at a law firm by the time I'm 30, I need a boyfriend who's not a complete bonehead. That's right. (laughs) It's perfect. Um, But then we jump ahead to three years later and she's graduating. So it's 2004. Um... And she was elected the person to speak. I know that it's not really part of this movie. And I know that we just kind of jump ahead just to show her graduating and how everybody really likes her and everything. But nothing happened in two years that wasn't interesting to talk about. She was dating Emmett. Emmett. She dated Emmett for two years. And then he was going <laughs> to propose. We find out he was going to propose to her later that yes. night. You know? Right. Yeah. There's no, there's no, that relationship doesn't really flourish beyond basically that drive to meet Brooke Wyndham, uh, Brooke, no, I'm sorry, uh, the Wyndham's ex-wife. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I mean, then there's those couple of looks they exchange in the courtroom. Now, actually, but it's pretty obvious too, going through the whole movie that this is the love interest at some point. So it's sure. not oh, yeah. too well, much of a surprise. Again, he's a really strong foil for Warner. Um, now that being said, uh, fun, interesting fact about that last scene, especially and and the part with Warner. So apparently, when they did some tests, when they did some test screenings of this film, the film initially ends when the case ends. So, mm-hmm. oh, so they threw this. They Be, threw this here. You know what? And every time I see that scene where she's walking through the double doors and the light just like comes and like kind of floods out the scene, basically, it feels like it's supposed to be it, the end. It absolutely does. Yeah. Um, and actually, what tipped me off on it was we were watching it again. My wife and I were watching it review mirror, and I'm looking at the scene and I'm watching Elle give her speech, and I turned to Heather and I said, "Honey, that's not her real hair." You did say that, yeah. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean that's not her hair? I said, that don't look like her real hair. That looks like a wig. And sure enough, what you come to find out is when they did test screenings, the movie, actually, the movie didn't even end. They weren't even going to give her the scene with Warner. It was just going to end as soon as the that's case was right. over. Yeah. It was going to end when the case was over. And the, apparently the test audiences were like, we want to know if she really gets her, like she needs to get her scene with Warner. She needs mm-hmm. to, to rub his nose in it. And Which I think was smart, by the way. Right. And there was a lot of like, well, what happens to these other characters? Because that would have been a very sudden ending to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like we talked about in Fast and the Furious. Just so sudden. But what happened was they actually shot that scene in England. And apparently the, the scene where she gives the speech was actually shot in England. Reese Witherspoon and Luke Wilson were actually both there. They were filming other movies. Mm-hmm. And Reese had her hair cut differently, so they had her wear a wig. And Luke Wilson was also wearing a wig because he was filming the Royal Tenenbaums, actually. Um, and he had a different uh, he had different hairdo when was, he was actually more tanned mm-hmm. in that scene, which you can kind of let go because it's been two years. You can say, hey, he, he went to the beach a couple times with Elle in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but really interesting to think about how the movie could have ended without Elle getting her comeuppance on Warner and without the, again, the big wrap up, which also stumbles into another brilliant moment in the movie, which is where it ends with Perfect Day again. Yes, it ends with the same song, yeah. which is great because it's like at the beginning of the movie, A Perfect Day for Elle is 
getting engaged to this man she's dating, right, mm-hmm. as a fashion merchandising major. At the end of the movie, a perfect day is she's graduating from Harvard Law School, getting ready to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's a, and what is what is uh, Warner's kind of uh, fate? I, I can't remember what oh, it said. Oh, uh, <laughs> he graduated without any job offers, without any honors. Vivian dumped him. Without um, a girlfriend. Yes, yeah. and without a girlfriend, yeah. Nice, <laughs> yeah. But no, that was... Um, they they dropped in the one about Vivian, to Vivian about her and Elle being best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they they gave us a payoff with Paulette and I've got a package uh, UPS guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. They they gave a payoff there. And uh, and the UPS guy was never given a real name. Yeah, he was the UPS guy, and I don't think they gave him a name in the second movie either. That's perfect. Uh, so Heather. The rearview mirror, one of the things we always do on the show is mm-hmm. we start with how do you feel about it when you first saw it. We uh-huh. end it with how do you feel about it differently and do you look? Do you see it any differently on the I'm going to out her many reviewings of this film. <laughs> it is her favorite, like I'm on the couch by myself. The it's kids are that. asleep. It's either that or fast talking girls, which is my loving name for Gilmore Girls. But um, Yeah, so when I first saw this film, um, I, I absolutely loved it. And um, as you pointed out, it is... It is my guilty pleasure movie right now. Um, like I, I am in a way embarrassed to say that I love this film and I watch it every chance that I get. Um, I go back to that scene uh, in the office where they're playing Desert Island <laughs> and Jim asks Pam what movies would she bring and she says Legally Blonde because that would totally be in my top three and then he makes her feel totally bad for it and I'm like, no, no, but that movie really is fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He says, unforgivable. Yes. Un- unforgivable. Yes. <laughs> but he makes her feel so bad about it. And I'm like, but no, really, it's great. And I would take it too. And Scotty, where are you at 20 years on? Um, vastly more appreciative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will first qualify that by saying that when I saw this the first time, as I said earlier in the episode, I was I was on a date with a girl who had drugged me there against my will, to be perfectly honest. Um, but again, you're a 17 year old guy. You're just, you're going to go because it's, it's on a date and you're going to try to make your girl happy as an older man now with a, with a daughter and noticing some of the themes of female empowerment and realizing you can do more with your life and just kind of deciding to do it and doing it. There's a lot of things to appreciate about that. Uh, and like I said, a lot of intentionality for a film that may have been seen as kind of a one-off. Um, I've never heard you say before that you thought Reese Witherspoon should have won an Oscar for the role or at least should have been nominated. Is that what you said? Nominated. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, I would say deserved a nomination for a role that she did really well in, which, you know, goes back to how the Academy maybe does or doesn't consider films. Like well, this. and it's 2001 right now and she should have already been nominated twice. Once for here and once for election, and she got passed over on both of them. However, she would be nominated three years later. Three years later, yeah, she would be nominated three years after this, and she would win it. So she would get it. It just, you know, take a while. Right. Uh, and for the record, as bad as we all say, Legally Blonde Two was, she made fifteen million dollars to do that movie. So, <laughs> well, she made fifteen million dollars, but I lost a ticket price and a tub of popcorn on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> The movie viewer's dilemma. She made she got she got six dollars of my fifteen million. Then I'll never get that. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, she's so not hurting for money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, so how about you, Trevor? In the rear view, how'd you feel about Legally Blonde? Um, I think you kind of summed it up nicely by saying you have a different appreciation for it now. I remember really liking it when I first saw it because I was so surprised at how well done it was, and just seeing it now from. 20 years on, not so much from the um, empowerment standpoint that you've seen, because I don't have a daughter 
anything like that that I'm looking for role models or things like that like you probably are but um you know more from just like the filmmaking standpoint you know seeing movies that were really good over the last 20 years and seeing movies that are really bad over the last 20 years and this one really just fits in nicely into the good category so yeah mm-hmm. I probably liked it more this time around honestly um even though it does turn to cheese at the very end um <laughs> the film sort of collapses in on itself after being really so well executed up until that point but Mm -hmm. uh you know it really is it really is fantastic and i don't have you know guilty or not you may feel guilty about liking it heather but i mean (laughs) (laughs) i don't i'll i mean i'm not gonna watch it every chance i get like you say but um it'll probably be a while before i see it again you know it probably been 18 17 years since i'd last seen it before i watched it for this but um Mm -hmm. you know it definitely still holds up and it's still really Mm -hmm. a part of uh, pop culture right now because we're still talking about bending and snapping and this <laughs> the the Broadway musical still makes its run across the country on tour and yeah. we're getting a third one coming out so it's still it's still finding an audience folks that'll do it for our talk about Legally Blonde we thank you so much for coming Heather thank you so much for spending some time to join me and uh, once again thank you for choosing to spend your life with me as opposed <laughs> to many of the other far better suitors you could have come across uh, but thanks to everyone for like Warner exactly Warner would have been fantastic <laughs> Fantastic. But uh, thank you all so much to everyone for watching. We would love to hear how we're doing and hear your feedback. You can talk to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also on TikTok. Let us know what you would like to see in future movies and what you would like to see us talk about. Uh, Speaking of, Trevor, what's our next movie? Uh, We are going back to the Island of the Dinosaurs next week. We're going to have a look at Jurassic Park 3. Mm. That sounds like a great opportunity to understand the way that life finds a way. Folks, thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate you. We're glad you're on this journey with us. Have a great week.